welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, I got a green light, so that's a good thing, right? (laughs) All right. Good evening, everyone. Are you ready to hear the word this evening? Praise the Lord. As she just said, Tommy and I have been friends for, um, well, it was about double that 20-year time, about 40 years. So that shows we're getting a little bit older, but that's okay. <laughs> we did go to Raymond together. We, we were roommates in college together there and um, spent our first years in ministry together. We uh, shared a big room. I think I might have mentioned this last time when I was here shared a big room and we would just take different things about the Bible and talk about them and try to, you know, um, see if we could stump one another and play devil's advocate. Well, do you really believe the healing's true? You know, stuff like that. Why do you believe that? You know, we'd go back and forth and just kind of sharp, iron sharpeneth iron. You know what I mean? And so um, that's how we started. And uh, so, and we've been, you know, friends all this time. And I just appreciate Pastor Tommy and what he's doing right here in Vinton, Virginia. I grew up right here in Vinton, went to William Bird High School. And um, so glad to be here with you tonight. Are you ready to receive the word? All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister your word tonight. I'm believing you, Heavenly Father, that the anointing that lives within me and the gifts and callings that, within, that are within me, Lord God, will, 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 will be brought forth into the lives of each person here. That, Lord God, the word and the power of that word will make a difference, will make a change in our life tonight. That we'll see things because the Holy Spirit has showed us things tonight and it will be forever changed, and we'll be able to take this change and, and bring it into a world that's lost and dying and hurting and that need Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually finish the message that I started in July. I was here July 3rd, I think it was, and uh, we ministered part of this, and, 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 and so we're going to go on and finish it tonight. I am going to kind of give you a kind of quick review, because I like to do that. It could kind of get you in the, in, the, in, the, in the flow that we're in, so that we can get this last point that I want to minister tonight. If you want a more um, detailed message, you, you weren't here on the 3rd of July, or maybe you were and you want to hear it again, it's on the, uh, the, web, the church website. Go into there. I actually found it and Listen to myself coming up the road just to remember everything that I told you, you know. So, uh, so I did that on the way up here. It's a great setup on that, the whole podcast. And uh, so go back and listen to it afterwards. And especially if you weren't here on July 3rd, do that. So we're going to start off in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll turn there with me in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it says this, Paul's ministering and he says, or writing, and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I'll read that again. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now if you have the King James, and you may notice, if you do, that the word gifts is italicized there. Why is that italicized? That's just showing that it was something added by the translators to help us help us to for it to make more sense in our mind as we read that. But I like to read it this way. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now what is spirituals? It's the way God moves in our lives. When God does it, 
does things, he does it by his anointing. And he wants us to understand spirituals. He wants to understand and, and, and not be ignorant of how he moves because if we don't understand how he'll move and bring change in our life, then maybe we'll never get there. How many times have we prayed for something and prayed for something and prayed for something and maybe spent years without seeing God move in that area? Maybe it's because we don't understand spirituals. Maybe we don't understand how he ministers, how he works in our life, how he moves in our lives. And so he goes on in this chapter, chapter 12, and he begins to list some things. And, and, and we're not going to go into it in a detail like we did in July, but he, he begins to say this. He says there's a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit, difference of administrations, but the same Lord. That's verse 5. And verse 6, there are diversities of operations, but the same spirit of God. And then he starts talking about the spiritual gifts. Who's heard of the spiritual gifts before? You know, to one's given the, you know, I'll just read it here. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man with all where we are. and but one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge to by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of the healings by the same spirit to another the workings of the miracles and other prophecy by uh, and, and to another uh, discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues then he says this but all these work at that one and self same spirit dividing to every man several as he will so he begins to list the uh, the, the gifts of the spirit and they're powerful and they're mighty and that that's how he ministers. That's part of his, that's, that's the way he ministers into our life. Or that's one way that he ministers into our life. But then he always, but then he begins to get into something very interesting here in verse 13. And he starts it off by saying this, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. And he begins to talk about the body of Christ. Now what I want to remind you here is, is the context or the, uh, what, what, is, what is he talking about in this chapter? He's talking about spirituals. But then he begins to bring up bodies right there, the body of Christ and our place in it. You know, and he goes on, maybe some of you have heard this, some of these scriptures or read these scriptures before, and it talks about how, you know, you can't be the, the hand doesn't need to be the knee or the ear doesn't need to be the foot. And, you know, sometimes we're the elbow and we'd really just like to be the ear huh, in the body of Christ. But what he's telling us as we read this chapter in context is, as you feel your place in the body of Christ, the anointing will flow through you and bring change in the lives of people. If we find our place, if we walk in that place. And so he goes through there and he actually spends a whole lot of time in that chapter 12 talking about the body of Christ and ministering that way. And he, and he says, you know, there's some that are comely parts. All oh, people always want to do this or people want to do that. But he said, you need to follow your spot. Wherever God's called you to be, that's where you need to be. And then he gets into the ministry gifts. And, and, and I think it's interesting that he licks, lists this last after all that, because so many of us in the church as we grew up thought the only way we could be ministered to by God was by the preacher or the evangelist or whoever or something like that, you know. And he, he lists this last. No, that is one way that God moves. That's, that's part of the spirituals that God uses. But he does list it last. And so he says, you know, there's pastors and, and apostles and prophets and lists all that. And then he gets down in this last verse, in thir verse 31, and he says, I, but covet earnestly the best gifts. But then he says this, and yet I show you a more excellent way. That's the way he ends up that chapter. Yet I show you a more excellent way. An excellent way to what? Well, for the Spirit of God to move, just like he started off the chapter. Are you with me? Now, what is that more excellent way? Who knows that Paul didn't write, okay, verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Period. 
Okay, I think that's a good spot. Chapter 13. That's not the way he did it. It's just a letter, right? So what's the more excellent way? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He said the best way to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you is to walk in love. He said it's more excellent than the ministry gifts. He said it's more excellent than the spiritual gifts. Do you see what I'm saying here? So love is so important. And if we're going to talk about the anointing, and that's our title today, if we're going to speak about the anointing, we must understand that it flows by and through love because everything's done by love because God is love. He's not, he doesn't just have love. God is love. Amen? Now look with me, if you would, over in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. We're just kind of reviewing. We're just kind of reviewing some things and kind of getting ourselves in the flow here till I get what... We want to minister to you tonight. Look in verse 27, if you would. Maybe you've heard this scripture before, this verse. He says in verse 27, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And then he says this, The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Hallelujah. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Well, what's the yoke that he's talking about there? Well, he's not talking about farm equipment, right? That's not what he means. Huh? What's he talking about? The burdens of this life. The attacks of the enemy that come upon us. Huh? When we have trouble. He said, it, let us read it again. But the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I'm going to say it to you this way. When God moves in our life, he does it only by the anointing. That's the only way that he will minister into your life. Let's look at it. Let's give a couple quick examples. You look back in Genesis chapter 1 and, and, and the creation of the earth. And what does it talk about? It talks about how the spirit of God moved and brewed over the earth, right? Right? Think about the moment when you were born again. Actually, before that moment you were born again. When you begin to know that, you know, I need Jesus in my life. What was happening? The Holy Spirit, the anointing was drawing you in, saying you need to change. You need, it. You, need the, you need the Savior. You need Jesus. He was drawing you in. And you made that plea of faith. You made that cry out to faith unto God. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Right? And then we were born again. What happened when we were born again? It was the Holy Spirit, the very power of God that come in on the inside of us into our spirit, man, and made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Who's heard that scripture before, right? So we were made new creatures in Christ Jesus. How did that happen? By the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And then now he lives on the inside of us. And then every time we pray and God moves, or just any time God moves in this earth, he does it by his Holy Spirit or that manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which we call the anointing. Everyone say anointing. All right, you're with me. All right, very good. And so, and so I like to say this way. I, I, this is my definition of the anointing. It helps us to understand what we're talking about. And I say it this way. The, manifest, the anointing is the manifest presence of God sent to bring godly change. Manifest. What does that mean? He shows up. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it's the manifest presence of God that's sent to bring godly change. Not just change, but godly change. That's the anointing. 
when the, when the anoint, it, there, there's times that only God, only God. So who's been in a position where only God can do it, right? It's the anointing that does it. Amen? So we're talking about the anointing today. And then last time when we were here in July, we talked about the fact that uh, Jesus was anointed that uh, he, was, he was baptized. It's in Matthew chapter 3, I believe. And, and he was baptized. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove, right? Who, who's heard that scripture before? And, and, and it came upon him. And all of a sudden, he was anointed by God. He was anointed by God. Now, and we made that, this point then, at that point in July, that think about Jesus before that moment in Matthew chapter 3. What happened before that? Well, he was born in Bethlehem, right? And we said that Jesus was and always has been and always will be God. Even there in that manger, he was God. The Lord Jesus was God. Amen? But did he ever do a miracle as a baby? No. How about a little bit older? No. How about he was rocking around as a teenager? Did he do a miracle? No. You know when he started doing miracles? After the anointing come upon him. See, because, well, turn to me with, turn to me with, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. When did he do that? Right there in Matthew chapter 3 when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit come upon him. See, he was always God, but all of a sudden he was anointed by God. And why was he anointed by God? Well, verse 38 tells us. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with, pow with power who went about, here's the purpose, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Do you see the purpose of the anointing? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So we begin to get an understanding and a... Uh, 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 an understanding in our mind of what the anointing did for Jesus. And we, we talked about this, how that um, in, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, the scripture talks about how that he was stripped himself of all godly power when he came to this earth. In other words, he came as a man anointed by God. And that's how he worked. He, he, did, he never healed someone, we'll just talk about healing for example, he never healed someone because he was God. He did it because he was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power. Do you see the difference? Okay. We're just kind of going through this quickly. As I said, you can get on the, on the uh, website here of the church and, and take, listen to the, uh, um, excuse me, what is it called? That's it. And listen to there and catch up with it. Okay. Now, if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. You know what? Before we get to there, go with me to go with me to 1 John. I think we went over this before, but I want to touch this. 1 John chapter 2. Let's go there first. You can keep your space in Luke. And we'll come back to it because that's really where I'm getting to tonight. 1 John chapter 2. 
There we go. In verse 27. We said this, that Jesus was anointed, okay? But I want you to see something before we move on, and that's this. That you are anointed too. As a person that's born again and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit lives within you also. So let's look here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing, everybody say anointing. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth where? In you. And then it's need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now let's read it again. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Well, Doug just needs to be quiet then because we don't need any man teach us. Is that what that means? No, that's not what that means. What he's saying is this. He's saying anything that you're going to get, we'll just say from me tonight, that's going to be any good or have any eternal consequences in your life, you're not being taught by me these things. It's the anointing or the Holy Spirit that reveals these things to you. He may use me as an instrument to speak words and it, and it comes into your heart. How many times do you sit in a service and, and, and something's been said and, and preached and you look at the scripture and you see something and it's like, pow, oh, it's just like you, you, you've read this scripture before, but, but it just means something more than it ever has before. The Holy Spirit is revealing something to you about himself or about yourself. He's revealing himself and revealing his power. And, and, and that's the anointing that's making a difference in your life. And he says this anointing that you have lives in you. So we'll say it this way. No matter where you go, the anointing is there because he lives in you. You can be in the dark over here. You can be in the light over here. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And that anointing lives within you. And what does it do? It's there to bring godly change. Now let's keep on reading here. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you, that anointing within you will do what? Teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you will abide in him. You're going to be able to live in him to the same extent that the Holy Spirit or the anointing teaches you. The more you receive, the more revelation you receive from the anointing, the greater you're going to be abiding with him. You're going to become one with him. You're going to be walking with him. You begin to think like him. We'll say it maybe this way, thinking more like him. Re your mind begins to be renewed by the spirit of God and by the word of God. And it begins to change you. And you know what? I, the more you get into his word and he reveals himself to you and teaches you and shows you that which you need to know. Because who knows? We all need to know different things. We all need to learn different things. Amen. And he will teach you according to what you need to know. He will show you the things that you need to know. He will prepare you for tomorrow by what you hear tonight. So that anointing is there. I'm going to read it again. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, 
and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Let's go over there real quick. Romans chapter 8. He says this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. What is he showing us? He's showing us that the, really the same message here. That the, that the anointing, the Spirit of God, lives within you. Look at somebody beside you and tell them, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Tell them, let them know. Make that confession. Make, make that thing in you, coming out of your mouth so you begin to reveal it to yourself. Look in 1 John chapter 4. Let's look over there real quick. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look in verse 4. He says that, John says it this way in, in the first epistle of John. He says in verse 4, Year of God, little children, and have overcome them. And then he says this, Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you're walking around and you get up tomorrow morning, that alarm goes off. Maybe you don't have an alarm. Maybe you just pop up like, you know. But you get up in the morning and you start getting yourself ready for your day. You know what, where you are right at that moment, the Holy Spirit is within you. And as you go on and maybe eat your breakfast, I don't know what you have. Maybe you just have toast and a coffee. I don't know what you do, right? Maybe you do the whole eggs and bacon and do all that kind of stuff. But whatever you're getting yourself ready for the day, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. As you go on and make your way to your job or whatever you're doing for that day tomorrow, you know what? The Holy Spirit's right there in, within you. The greater one lives in you. And what's that greater one doing within you? Well, there, first of all, he's there to help. Not first of all, but one thing it is, he's there to help you and to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's not what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of you. But also, just like the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus and Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do good and bring life to all those he come in contact with, God's given you the same anointing. You know what? There's not a different anointing. There's not a different Holy Spirit that we get than, that Jesus got on that day in Matthew chapter 3. There's not a whole, you know, Holy Spirit that came down upon Jesus and we got Holy Spirit Jr. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Spirit of God that lives within us. And you know what? His desire is still the same thing. To do the will of the Father, just like it was in the life of Jesus. And we as Christians, we as Christians, those that are in the body of, we're in the body of Christ, right? We're, we're Christ's body here on this earth. Doesn't it make sense? that we should be doing and have the same mission that Jesus did while he was on the earth, now that we're here on the earth. So he's given you something. He's given you a tool to make, and it's really the only tool that will work, that will make the difference in the lives of people. Somebody that you come in contact with tomorrow, 
you may be the only person that they will see that day that has a greater one living within them, with them. It's you. And you can bring the love of God and activate that anointing and bring a change in the lives of people. What the love of God can do. When you, when you allow the love of God to flow in your life and, and from your words and your actions, you're activating the anointing in your life. You are anointed. You were sent by that, the anointing that lives within you to bring godly change. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, these, these signs will follow them that believe. And it goes on to list the things that we can do, including lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14 says, neglect not the gift that is in you. What's the gift? It's the anointing. And then he also says uh, over in first, what is it, first Timothy chapter one? Yeah, second Timothy chapter one, verse six. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. I'm believing tonight that this is what this message is doing for you today, to stir up that gift of God that's within you. So that you remind yourself, you know what? I'm just not out here, just me. I've got the greater one living within me. The Holy Spirit lives within me to bring change in the lives of people. Okay, now turn to Luke chapter 5. I told you to go there before. Now we're really going to get there. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 17 is where we're going to go. If you're there, say amen. Okay, good. Now we're going to look at just two examples. We could look at several. We're going to look at two examples where, and it just so happens that we're, it's healing in this play, in, this, in these examples. But what I really, really wanted you to see was how Jesus and the anointing work together to bring godly change in the lives of people, okay? Now here in Luke, it says in verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and the doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So Jesus is, let's set the scene here. Jesus is preaching. And, and, and he mentions some specific people that were there. On this certain day he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and, and Judea and Jerusalem. Who, do you think there was more people than just those that were there? I, I do. I do. I think he's just making a point here. That even though all the, because Jesus had the crowds following him when he began to teach, they would just gather around and just, you know, just us regular folk. But then there's these doctors of the laws and Pharisees, and they're listening too. Now, now just, in your, just in your, I want you to set this scene, just get in your brain, think of it this way. As Jesus is teaching, and as he's sharing forth from the word, and as, he, as he's delivering his message, do you see the Pharisees of the law sitting back just like this? Is that, is that what you're gathering? Is that what you think was happening? No, were they doing this? That's right, that's right, Jesus. You tell them, Jesus. Woo, amen. Stepping on toes, Jesus. Were they excited he was teaching what he was teaching? No. 
What were they doing? They, they probably look, I'm, I'm ex, you know, they angry. They got their arms folded. Let's see what he's got. Or maybe even like this. All right, now listen close because we want to catch him on something we can get him on later. Ain't nothing worse than preaching in front of people that's trying to catch you in something. And there Jesus was, just letting the anointing flow and doing his thing. They're not cheering him on. They're there despising him. They're to make fun of him, to catch him up and mad that he's there because he's taken from their glory. But notice this little detail that we see at the last part of the verse. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord. Now what's the power of the Lord? That's the, what's the word we're talking about tonight. It's the anointing. So he's there teaching, all these people, all these are there, and the power of the Lord was, what, what was it? It was present. The power of the Lord had shown up in that place. And the most interesting thing about this verse to me is that the power of the Lord was present in that place to heal them. Now, who does them talk to about? Who's it talking about? I'm going to put this out before you. I don't think it... Let me say it the right way. When, 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 when Luke is writing this, he's specifically letting us know that the healing power of God was there to heal the Pharisees and the doctors of the law because according to the verse, that's the them that's in that verse. Now there were other people there and there were other people there that needed healing, I'm sure, and I'm sure that the anointing of God would heal those other people and we're going to see that it did and was there for that. But Luke wanted us to know that the power of the Lord was there present to do something mighty in the lives of the doctors of the law and the Pharisees. God showed up to do something to bring godly change into these lives of these people. And they didn't receive it. Let's keep on reading. Let's find out who did receive it. That's just verse 1 on that. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. So they're looking, at, they got this guy, and he's, they're carrying him in a bed, and he just needs healing, and they're trying to figure out a way to get him to Jesus. Why? Because they knew if they could just get him to Jesus, their friend would be healed. Amen? And so they're looking for a place. And when they could not find, verse 19, and when they could not find by which way they might bring him in because of the multitude, there's too many people there. huh? See, there's a whole lot of people. They went up onto the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So let's just say Jesus, well, he was preaching right here, and he's going on and he's teaching. It says he's teaching. He wasn't preaching, he was teaching. So he's teaching, he's telling his thing. He's telling the revel revelations flowing into the lives of the people there. They're hearing it and they will see something. And then all of a sudden, scratch, 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 scratch. You know, and Jesus is just not distracted. He's just going on and talking, you know. He's, he's delivering the word. 
You know, maybe he's reading from Isaiah or something like that. And then, and then scratch, scratch, scratch. They're hearing something else and then stuff starts to fall a little bit. And they, they all begin to look up because it's distracting everybody else first before Jesus. Because he's like, he's like doing his thing, right? But then he's, this, it comes down right there in front of him and he looks up and there, there's a hole. And it's getting bigger and bigger. Now I think about the guys on top of the roof there. They, they, they got this guy laying on a bed. I think one of those, you know, those little army cot things. In my mind, you know, they got two, two poles. It's wrapped around. You got the little army cot right there, and he's laying on that green army cot, okay? It's just my brain working, okay? So they're, they're getting him up on that roof. Come on. Yeah, you need friends like that. That's exactly right. And we're going to see more why in just a minute. That's a great point. So they're trying to get him up on there. They, didn't get, they could have gave up. They could have got to the door and they said, oh, it's awful, Jim. I'm sorry, you know, we really wanted you healed. We brought you here, but we ain't getting there. They said, no, there's got to be another way. And so they get up on the top and they got, well, where is he at? Well, let's just drop him down in the midst right before Jesus. And so he'll be healed because we know if we can get him to Jesus, he'll be healed. Let's just drop him down where that. And then one of them says to the other, well, now where exactly do you think Jesus, by when we look to the door, where was he standing exactly? Because they didn't want the, wall, the hole to come up over there somewhere. Right? Let's get him over there. We need to have him right there. So when they let him down, then he's right there before Jesus. And that's because the Bible says he brought him right in the midst before Jesus. And there he was. Okay, let's keep on reading. And when they could, verse 19, I'll read that again. And when they could not find by the way which they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And look at this. This next phrase is key. And when he, Jesus, saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. Or it actually says when he saw their faith. We know that he is Jesus, right? Who's the there? The friends. Now it could have been. The friends and old Jim laying on the thing too. You know, he was all into it too, right? It could have been the him and the friends. But it was definitely at least more than one of them. I assume all of them that had faith. And they said, if we could just get him in the, right there before Jesus. Jesus just sees him. He'll be healed. We know. We've heard before. Faith cometh by hearing in hearing by the word of God. We know faith comes into our heart because we've heard his word. They had heard of Jesus. They had heard of what Jesus had done before. And they knew if they could just bring him right there in the midst. Oh, whew, we could play golf again with Jim. Right? It would be a happy day. You know? Jim would have to go get the wood for his wife from then on after that. But he'd be happy to do it. You know, set the fire is what I'm talking about. And so they let him down, put him there. And Jesus said this. What did they come to bring him there for? What did they want to bring him there for? Yeah, to heal him. But Okay, but let's, what's Jesus doing? <clears throat> Man, this is Jesus, thy sins are forgiven thee. Well, I'm glad his sins are forgiven, but we brought him here to be healed. 
Why did Jesus say that? That's true. That's, that's a good point. I think he was making a point to those dudes back there that the healing power was there for, but they wouldn't receive of him because they didn't realize who he was and, or didn't want to believe who he was. And as the gentleman here said, have your sins forgiven. You know, that's even higher than our healing. Yes, yes it does. Sin will stop healing sometimes. That's, that's exactly right. So he says this. Let's just, let's just start with the real core of the problem is what Jesus did. He said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And then it says in verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, well, and this shows you why he did it for them. Who, who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They began to reason within himself that, well, only God can forgive sins. See, Jesus set them up with the question. He wanted them to come up with that answer. Because he comes back with this. And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he knew what they were thinking, that only God can do that. He answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or it is to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, that the Son of Man hath the power upon earth to forgive sins so that you'll know that I'm God. I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Made two points with one action. Now, we're talking about the anointing. We're talking about the power of God, and in this case, the healing power of God. But it all works under the same precepts and, and laws. What I want you to see is this. Let me say it to you this way. If the Pharisees and the doctors of the law were there, and the power of God was there to heal them, Who would understand that these guys needed healing? Okay. So we see that the power of the Lord was present. And then therefore we can learn, even when the power of the Lord is present, and even when the power of the Lord is present and you need healing, you can walk out not healed. Hmm? Is, can we not see that? Do the, doctor, do the doctors in the law and the Pharisees there sitting there? Yeah, that's a big lesson to learn. So what I want to present to you today is this. How did the one man receive the healing and the others that were there sick? in need of healing, not get it. What's the difference in the two? When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. So here's what we're going to say. It's faith that activates the anointing. 
It's faith that activates the power of God. No matter what type of anointing, and I'm going type, I mean, because there's, I don't have time to teach all this, but the anointing comes to save us like we talked about earlier, okay? The Holy Spirit comes to do that, right? But then the Holy Spirit also comes to heal like it did that man there. There's different ways the anointing moves, right? In any of those ways, when God brings godly change, it's brought about and it's activated, that anointing is, by faith. By trusting in Him. By believing. And all those sermons that Pastor Tommy's taught you about faith, those things are truths are important because it shows you how to activate the power of God even when the power of God is present. Look with me, if you would, over in Mark chapter 5. Mark, the fifth chapter. One more example. And maybe you've heard this story before. I, I, I love this story. It's a great story. Mark, chapter 5, and we're going to look in verse 25. And the greatest thing about, to me about this story in Mark, chapter 5, it's the woman with the issue of blood. One of the greatest things to me about this story is that it comes right in the middle of a different story. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, you know, and, 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 and then right in the middle, Jesus stops. So but let, let's start in verse 25. <clears throat> and a certain woman, verse 25, had an issue of blood 12 years. Wow, that's a long time. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Yeah. If you've been 12 years to the doctor, you've suffered many things of many physicians, right? And, and, he had spent, and she had spent all that she had. Well, yeah, that's true today still, right? So many truths here coming out. And was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard. Everybody say heard. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. What did she hear? The things that Jesus had done. She had heard the good news. Maybe at one time she had heard Jesus say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to heal. And he lists several things in Luke chapter was it 4. Maybe she heard that message one time. But this time was her day. When she had heard, she came to Jesus as he was just walking his way to Jairus' house, not knowing what's going on with her. He doesn't know she's there. He's just, he's just got a crowd of people thronging around him is the way the King James says it. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She believed it so much, she heard and therefore believed and believed this so much that she began to say it. Man, if I could just touch the hem of his clothes, I'll, I'll be whole. I'm going to be whole as soon as I touch the hem of his garment. That's all I need to do. And it says in verse 29, straightway or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And then Jesus immediately anointing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, first thing in this verse, 
That word there, virtue, do you see that? <clears throat> that means power. Or this word we're talking about tonight, anointing. It's all interchangeable. Jesus, let's set the scene again. Jesus is walking around, and there's a crowd walking around because they knew he was going to go to Jairus' house and raise this kid from the dead, you know. And, and they're all wanting to see the show. I mean, honestly, that was what was going on, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking, and he just stops. He says, who touched me? As you keep on reading there, the, the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? There's, there's a multitude throwing all around you. Everybody's touching you. But she didn't touch him like other people touched him. She touched him in faith. She reached out with expectation. Other people were bumping up against him, rubbing shoulders with him, doing that. They saw him. Oh, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. This woman went on and just touched him of his garment. And he said, who touched me? And the woman knew what was done in her, it goes on to say. She came up, verse 33, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. What was the truth? Well, I'd heard about you. How do we know what her message was? Because, because Mark wrote it down here. He, he already gave us the backstory, so she told him the story then. Well, I'd heard of Jesus, and I'd heard what he had done and what he had said. And I just knew. And I believe that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Even though I've struggled for 12 years, I'd been to this doctor, I'd been to that doctor, I had not got any better at all. I'd lost all my money. I gave all my money to the doctors that are not helping me. But you know what? I knew Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the way. That's who I needed to get in touch with. And she just said within herself, and I just said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. That's what she told him. He told, she told them all the truth. And then Jesus said something important there. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole in that plague. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. I'm going to say it this way. Daughter, thy faith activated the anointing. The power of God that was in him and within him and upon him flowed into her body. An interesting thing here, just as a side note, let's go back to where it happened. Verse 30, And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power or virtue or the anointing had gone out of him. He felt it actually. He felt the power leave him. And thought, wait, somebody's drawing on the anointing. Who is it? That's why he asked the question. Because he knew somebody's lives that was changed at that moment. He wanted to know what it was. He heard, her, he heard her story. He said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. We read in, in our other example over Mark, and it specifically says that the doctors of the law were there to hear him teach, and the power of the Lord was there present to heal them, but them did not get healed. Just the dude coming down from the ceiling, right? Of this throng or multitude of people that's going around Jesus and running around Jesus and right there to see where he's going to do next, what do you think the odds are that there were people in that multitude that could have used a touch? Pretty high. Just my opinion. I'll give it to you. That's my opinion. 
I think it's quite high that there were other people that needed the touch and the anointing of Jesus. But what differentiated her from the others was she stepped out in faith. What differentiated the man and his friends that let him down from the other people that were there is they operated in faith. They activated the power because of their faith. Yes. Because faith is an action, right? Now, I, I, I say all these things, and I just want to close with this. This is why this church is so important. Pastor Tommy will come up. He'll stand up on Sunday morning. I'm not sure his message right now. I don't know what his series is that he's on. But maybe he's talking about love. And we just read over in 1 Corinthians chapter, well, it's actually 13 by the time we got to there. The greatest of these is love. And that's what activates, and that's how God moves. Remember we read that? Maybe he's talking about faith, and you'll begin to understand and, and hear and receive in your heart what's, what's the difference between just, just wanting something than having faith for something. Maybe you'll learn how your, your words will speak life and, and health into your, and, into your life as opposed to destruction when we speak the other way in unbelief. Maybe, maybe on Sunday morning you'll hear about finding your place in the body of Christ and in this local body. Operating in what God's called you to do, what God's called you to be. And therefore activating the anointing of God in your life and those that are around you. See? And every, moment, every Sunday you show up and every Sunday you get here, you, you need to come in with an expectation that I don't need a man to teach me, I need the Holy Spirit to teach me today. So I'm drawing from the gift within that speaker. And I'm drawing from what God has within them to make a difference in me so that I can make a difference in others. And so your faith grows. And your understanding of spirituals, like we said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, begins to grow and begins to abound. And then when you're on the work job, the workplace, you know exactly what to say. Well, I don't know if I can say. Learn to flow in the anointing. And you'll make a change in the lives of those around you. Amen? Let's all bow our head. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Your word is so good. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that the greater one lives within us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that first and foremost, beyond anything else, we need Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And we thank you that you've offered him to us, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave yourself and sacrificed yourself and gave your life and paid for my sin and our sins. 
And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that, that the way to salvation has is, is been made easy because Jesus has paved the way. And all that we need to do is just believe on the Lord Jesus, believe that he died for us, died for our sins, spilled his blood and gave his blood that our sins would be washed away. And then call him Lord and ask him to come into our life. I thank you for that, Lord God. You've made that way so easy for us because you, Jesus, has done all the work. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Doug, I, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. It's the most important thing and it's the first step, but I'm ready to make it tonight. Is there anyone here as I'm looking around? If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, just lift up your hand. I'll pray with you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, I just, I just pray for each one that's here tonight. And I'm believing, Heavenly Father, that as we go forth from this place today and that in the days to come we'll draw upon your anointing within us we'll allow the anointing to teach us to show us the things that we know from the word of God that our lives will be transformed so that we can show others and tell others what a good God you are we thank you for these things we go forth with joy we go forth with gladness and we go forth with an expectation of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I enjoyed being here with you again. Have an awesome night. Had a good night's rest, and we'll hit tomorrow ready to go. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.